Hello and welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. Thanks so much for joining us. A, a day late, but hey, we, we get in before the, the race weekend and that's all that matters, right? We'll Sneaking recap Nashville, preview a little bit of the triple header uh, IndyCar in action with the Gallagher Grand Prix as we record it Friday. So in fact, practice, I believe, just it did just, uh, just went green a few minutes ago. So uh, practice underway at IMS will... You know, by the time you listen to this, I'm sure practice will be long gone. But uh, qualifying, you'll know who's where, yeah, but it's at, fine. At, at, it's this, all right. at this rate, you'll know everything but the race result. But better late than never, we are back and taking a look at what happened in the Music City Grand Prix, the big machine Music City Grand Prix on the streets of Nashville over the weekend, plus a preview of what's to come this weekend at IMS, all on today's episode. Kyle Kirkwood gets his second career IndyCar win. Two wins for Kyle Kirkwood. No wins for Colton Herta. No wins for Scott Dixon. No wins for Will Power. No wins for Pato Award. Just as we drew it up. Yeah, just as we all suspected back in uh, late February. So uh, Kyle Kirkwood gets the win. Andretti has their second win of the season. Kirkwood Moved up from eighth to first, and we'll start with our three things. I think the most obvious one is just that Kirkwood, to me, and we talked about this before after Long Beach, but Kirkwood has a pull and two wins now on the season. Now, we've seen pace from Colton Herta as far as qualifying pace. Same with Roman Grosjean. As he has a couple pulls. Herta has a pull. But Kirkwood has been the guy who's been able to put it all together. And it's crazy because he's ninth in the standings. He has two race wins. It's very boom or bust, though for what he's done this year, but it's clear that the talent that everyone said he had coming into the series last year was there. Now, I think there were doubters because of his, his results and his his lack of results last year. He just had what one top 10 at long beach, but what he's done this season with Andretti, he doesn't have any top fives or any podiums, but he does have the two wins and he's leading the Andretti uh, armada. As far as point standings go, been very impressive is it his team or is it Colton Herta's team I don't know but you almost wonder if if we'll have a consensus by the end of the season he was surgical in his driving over the course of Nashville and very impressive it was impressive too because twice now this season we've seen a guy race his way to the front stay up front for Andretti that none of the other drivers can do. Colton Herta, once again, a decent starting spot. Really good starting spot. Yeah, third. I mean, and he fell fell off the map. He had, his tires fell off. His tire management, I think, seems to be Well, he came in issue. early saying the tires were gone, similar to what Graham Rahal did. And and that, that to me is, he's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta, you cannot, you cannot pit there. You're screwed the rest of the day. And it was for Colton Herta, finishing 21st. Roman Grosjean showed speed once again the, uh, the, this past weekend. The air was waiting till the final stint to run the alternates. Now, is he in position as he was going into that final pit stop? If he did race the alternates earlier, who knows? But he faded pretty quick when he had to get 26, 27 laps out of those alternates. Meanwhile, Kyle Kirkwood just never put a wheel wrong particularly on a course that that happens relatively easily and very impressive. You felt like Scott McLaughlin heading into race day was the guy to beat. Kyle Kirkwood was able to do that from the eighth starting spot. Very, very, very impressive. And something I noticed very early on watching the race, I was like, wow, Kirkwood's making moves because he started eighth. And the next thing you know, he's in the top five, right. like very quickly, then top four. Then he's, you know, with the lead group, it was McLaughlin, and, and, and Grosjean Whoa. than him, then he passed Grosjean, and then suddenly, you know, he he kept charging forward. It's it's it was interesting to to watch, and then I rewatched it because I was watching it on my phone, um, and it was really hard to follow the strategy watching it in my phone on on the way back uh, from Indy last weekend, and rewatching just to see the strategy and like NBC. Uh, we'll we'll get more on their day later, but all the focus was on McLaughlin, on Pelot, on Newgarden. And to some extent, Grosjean. But it's like Kirkwood fell completely under the radar to them, even though he was clearly moving up. I mean, it, it felt a lot like Joseph Newgarden's Indy 500, where he started a bit further back in the pack, but suddenly he's there, and he's not in the conversation 
until the very end. But if you were following what he was doing all day, you realize, yeah, he's got a, a real chance to win this race. Was very impressive. The pit stops were flawless. Never put a wheel wrong. And it is what we've expected to see from Colton Herta that we haven't. It's what we expected to see from Rumrain Grosjean that we haven't this year. Kyle Kirkwood is the class of this team right now. And Andretti would be wise to get him under a long-term contract because you know Team Penske's watching. Yeah, and that was kind of a reported rumor and then I guess kind of been refuted. But either way, I mean, there was so much, like, as far as guys coming through the ladder, this was the most hyped guy I think we've ever had coming through the, what was then the road to Indy Indy ladder. And and not just, you know, Indy Lights and what, what he did there, but just overall. I mean... You look at it, he won the Indy Lights Championship in 21. Um, he won Indy Pro 2000, what it was called at the time, in 2019. He won USF 2000 in 2018. So he won all the championships. At one point, didn't he have like a, like a 60% win percentage or something in, insane? Yeah. Um, what he did, I mean, you if you want to see the most crazy stat line for a racing driver, it's 2018 USF 2000 season with Cape Motorsports. He won all but two races that year. <laughs> I mean, it's astounding. Uh, and even what he did at Indy Lights, I mean, he was dominant. So, and then last year, you had the one top 10 at Long Beach, and then he just fell off and kept, you know, crashing. And, and people were dubbing Kyle Crashwood. Uh, Driving for an inferior team. He's clearly more than redeemed himself. He bounced back at Detroit after a tough start and, and got a, a, a sixth place finish, as Hinchcliffe mentioned on the broadcast. So, this is a guy, if he can get some consistency, I think this is kind of the next thing, but he's way overachieved from, I think, our expectations going into the season. He absolutely has. Like We were one of the ones that were questioning whether he was a guy that could keep it clean and not crash out at so many races like he was. There was a bit of concern from Michael Andretti even last year about would would that carry over to this year, but credit to Kyle Kirkwood. He corrected what he needed to correct, got more experience, got more comfortable in the seat. It helped then moving over to the big team, of course, and now he's 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 the the pinnacle of of what Andretti Autosports able to put on track each and every week, and that includes Colton Herta and and of course Roman Grosjean. So very impressive what Kyle Kirkwood has been able to do. Herta and Grosjean bickering after qualifying, you know about track space. Yeah, and, you're always going to have that with drivers. Yeah, yeah, but especially on a street course, Kirkwood's right? Kirkwood's the the guy who who puts it together. So I just find that fascinating. What's your uh, first takeaway? Well, any. Any time spent talking about the championship race, whether it be on this podcast or on the broadcast, the NBC broadcast or USA This Weekend or in print or online is just a waste of time. It's over. 84 points. Alex Pillow continues to do what he needs to do. He finishes ahead of Joseph Newgarden. He adds to his lead and it's over, folks. Four races to go. It's effectively what two plus race lead is what he has right now the championship is over any way any time wasted talking about it is just absurd there's other things to talk about than the championship because it's over alex blow he said okay well maybe maybe something happens at the iowa weekend maybe something happens this weekend or this past weekend at least with nashville with the uncertainty of crashville and all that stuff no nothing has bitten him he has done what he needs to do and the championship race is over let's be real Yes, and and to me, the real focus should be on the leader circle, the entrance right. standings. Yes, because that's where the real drama's been. Now, you got to remember, you take into account that Marcus Armstrong, the eleven car, not eligible for leader circle money. So you got to subtract that entry out of the equation. Currently, fourteen. So you got to go back to Devlin DeFrancesco in the fourth Andretti car. Currently, would then be bumped up to twenty second, the final spot. And he has 133 points. The 60 car of Meyer Shank Racing it was was Simon Pajo. Now it's been Connor Daly and and Linus Lundquist who made his debut. We'll get to that. Uh, three points back, as is the number 30 Ray Hall car of Jack Harvey. Uh, also three points back. This is the real race at hand because Benjamin Peterson and Stingray Rob are are in my opinion too far back to to catch up at this point. And Unless they're going to magically get like a top 
five finish. Yeah, it it's uh, it's it's all but over right at this point. So, um, I think we can move on. <laughs> well, from the championship, yes, but yes. from the leader I circle, love, I would love to for NBC to go deep enough to where they had points as they run leader circle, but I don't think they have it in them to do that because then they would have to explain what the leader circle mm-hmm. is because they have to hold our hands through every little thing. I would love that over the final four races because you know they're going to show point standings as they run, particularly Saturday in the race at Indy. Is that's what they're going to do? Even if there's no story there, which in my opinion, there isn't. So gra- I would love them to grasp a hold of the leader circle race to finish in the top 22 and break that down. And how much of the problem, though, is that IndyCar is way too secretive about this process. It, 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 every year when it comes down to the, it's it's like we get conflicting details on how it works. Now, we know we learned last year that the, the fourth Ganassi car isn't eligible because the, the four Andretti cars were grandfathered into the system years ago. Right. And, and otherwise, teams can ma- max out at three entries. Um, this is the real battle on track yes. that's going to be fun to watch as it plays out. Because there are a lot of drivers at hand and a lot of entries at hand. I mean, you look at the, the people on the radar. So, the 20 car, Brad Carpenter Racing... 21st, well, effectively 20th, and then effectively 21st is the 78, Augustine uh, Canapino, the driver of the 78 car for Hunkos Hollinger. Then you have Devlin DeFrancesco's number 29. And again, it's the entrant, not the driver. So the number 60 Meyer Shank car outside the bubble currently, three points back, as is the number 30 Ray Hall car, also three points back. Those are your contenders. This is the battle I want to see them talk about on broadcasts. This is what because I want. The, the championship is all but over in my book with, what, an 84-point lead now for Alex Pillow. He, he weathered the storm at Iowa and didn't have any conflicts in, in Nashville. This is what I want to see. And I think this, this goes into my number two, is Alex Pillow, look, this has been the best season we have seen in IndyCar since Tony Khan's 2004 championship season. Um, dominant season. Just absolutely dominant. Yes, Pelo has the, the four wins, but no finishes outside the top eight. That's just, the biggest thing to me that you take away. And just when you thought something could go wrong it, late in this race is they couldn't make it on fuel mileage and they were going back and forth. And he's like, uh, I, I can't make that number. Like they, they had the radio transmission. They figured it out, right? And then they just said, you know what? Just go for it. And then there was a yellow and he was fine. This worked out. Now, when you're good, you're good. And when you're lucky, you're good. And there have been some instances where Alex Pillow has been lucky. It takes us a certain bit of luck to be an IndyCar champion. But a lot of it has been his talent and dominance. And when we talk about Alex Pillow, and we're talking here on Friday morning, is a, the newest Silly Season update has come out with Marshall Pruitt to where there is, as of this morning, a possibility of Alex Pillow returning to the number 10 car at Chip Ganassi Racing. Ah, interesting. Because, of course, now, there is also tell, that uh, being reported by Marshall Pruitt there could be a costly buyout to buy him out of McLaren if he is indeed already signed there. So, as good as and sometimes boring as Alex Pillow is on track and on race, race weekends with how pre- precise he is, the dude, or at least the team behind the dude, is just an absolute cluster. Okay, can we can we get to a point where we know what to expect, Alex? Okay, and what he says is what's going to happen, or whatever. And it's just it's become an absolute circus, and and I don't know how much to blame on Alex Pillow or his team or whatever. But it's like, come on, this is this is getting ridiculous. So. With Pillow and IndyCar Deep Throat, you know, we were messaging back and forth the other day and saying, you know, everything that, that's out there is that Pillow could be announced. I think we said this last week, like September 1st or 2nd to McLaren. This was pre Nashville. And that Marcus Erickson was probably more likely to be back to Ganassi, um, d- despite, you know, all the, the what's been said publicly. It's that Ganassi would step up with a better offer. So this is an interesting twist. Now, it's funny to see Chip being the one to have to pay to buy someone out because usually it's the other way around where he gets the influx right. of cash. Yes. Now by getting a driver who's been 
bought out from him. Now, those those that legal team that made things so difficult for Chip Ganassi and Chip Ganassi Racing last year involving Alex Pillow, could they now be working to get Alex Pillow out of that contract for McLaren? So it would be an advantage of, of Chip Ganassi. This is what this rumor tells me. And who knows if it happens, we still could see Alex Pillow go to McLaren. But this is what this tells me is he's not being seriously considered right now for an F1 seat for 2024. And, and, and part of that's just how his contract was set up with McLaren on the testing Correct. program that made it next to impossible for him to get a seat. So that's one. But I think more importantly, two, how many wins does McLaren have this year? Zero. Zero. We know, we have told you ad nauseum, the only two teams that can win a championship in this series is Penske and Ganassi. And and right now, McLaren can't even win races. So if Alex Pillow is looking, how do I continue the momentum to potentially be on the radar of a Formula One team, I have to be with a team that's winning races and winning championships. I have to be doing both. And right now, McLaren can't do either. And Chip Ganassi Racing can. I think that's the biggest reason why this potentially could come about and Pillow return to the number 10 is because he's looking at it and going, if I go to McLaren, I may be a step closer to Formula One with... Uh, running in practice with McLaren, which he's expected to do later this year again, correct? Yes. But I'm nowhere closer to impressing Formula One teams by going there because they can't compete for championships, let alone right now, victories. And that's the biggest reason why Alex Pillow could stay. And let's just make this, is this year number two as far as McLaren overall? Yes. So it's time we really dive deep into this. And we've we've... We've talked about it at some length, but this weekend, I think, was the most telling thing. You had Alexander Rossi having contact with Renus VK, and first off, why was there a penalty there on Renus VK? It was side-to-side contact, and and we'll get to race control later on, but that was puzzling. So Rossi with just another ho-hum weekend. Uh, He's finished outside the top 10 three of the past four races. He sits currently 11th in points. Uh, Felix Rosenquist, 13th in points, 22nd. Pato Award qualified well, what, second on the grid? Yeah. And he was never really a factor. Nope. Finish eighth. Um, they have great qualifying speed, as we've noticed throughout the season. Um, Pato Award doesn't have a pull, but he's usually qualifi- qualified up front. Rosenquist has a pull, had to pull at Texas. He'd done that in back-to-back years. And, and they had good qualifying pace at Indy. But when it comes to race pace, we, we talked about tire management. I think, was that last year or two years ago? That seemed to be an issue with that team. It just seems that race pace overall is an issue with this team because they can qualify decent and qualify towards the front, but it's just not there. And, and so much was, has been made about different shuffling you know of driver lines you you add Rossi in and it may take him a year to get acclimated but how much is this also the fact that you took a guy who was an engineer last year and Gavin Ward very successful yeah. at Team Penske and then he got promoted into essentially leading the IndyCar side Taylor Kyle out he goes to Ganassi uh so you have a huge shift within the team and I'm not placing the blame on Gavin Ward I'm just saying there's a big shift managerially with the team and the fact that you also added another driver. Right. I think so, the loss of Taylor Kyle is immeasurably bigger than anybody will care to admit, particularly I, I agree. I really think there's an impact there. And I also one. think all the talk about, uh, oh, you know, adding a fourth car and their whole weird saga with, the, you know, how they announced that shop and then never broke ground. And then now we're moving into the old Andretti shop and, you know, according to Kyle Larson, it's everything with the team. The focus is on outside things like, you know, we got Kyle Larson for the Indy 500 next year and we're right. looking at a fourth car and, uh, you know, we had to change our shop plans. But like, where's the focus on the racing? Where's the focus on your current three man mm-hmm. crew? And also in Friday morning's um, silly season update, is this is from Marshall Pruitt on Racer.com is saying while the goal was originally understood to be linking up with a non full time team to field a car for Arrow McLaren, talking about a fourth entry, 
He says a meeting what took place last weekend in which a full-time entrant, uh, the meeting was between a full-time entrant and ongoing talks are in the worst to see if that might be the way to go. So basically the uh, would involve a current full-time entry with another team becoming a satellite McLaren entry. And this would have to be a Chevy entry. Would it be, uh, is coin Chevy or no, they're Honda. They're Honda. So who would be for sale in that respect? Who's running? Would it be a Foyt second car that's loaned out as a satellite to McLaren or Ed Carpenter? Like the other factor is Dry and Reinbold. You know, Marshall was talking about, you know, Dry and Reinbold running a fourth car as a satellite. But that's apparently changed. Yeah, that because so it's, it's, it's unclear. Existing, it's an existing full-time team, is what Marshall Pruitt is saying. So it is an existing full-time entry. McLaren so, sponsors engineers and possibly an existing driver who's already at that team. So is that the Rosenquist entry? Because he also goes to talk about Rosenquist's name attached to the car currently driven by Jack Harvey at Ray Hall Letterman Landing and Racing. But if Pelot stays, and, and that to me seems like a very natural fit. But if Pelot stays, does Rosenquist stay? One would think. Right. And then there's discussions about Marcus Erickson and the negotiations with him that reportedly from Marshall Pruitt haven't gone well with Ganassi. Could he be on the move to Andretti Autosport? Or does McLaren look at him for their fourth? Who knows? Or their third? And they still let Felix Rosenquist walk. But as as Marshall Pruitt says this morning in his his, 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 uh, his uh, story, it's it's a fluid situation. It's uh, It's chaos what's going on. Behind the scenes. And and to me, if Chip Ganassi lets Alex Pillow and Marcus Erickson both leave. Which I don't think is going to happen. I don't think that will happen. That would be a terrible look. I don't think that happens. Um, does one of them leave? Possibly. If you're prioritizing the two, it's Alex Pillow and yes. it's not even close. I yeah. know that Marcus Erickson has an Indy 500 win. I get it. But in terms of a complete body of work, there's no comparison. Well, I, is that I, up to me? I would agree. What are we at? Well, that was my two. We were talking That's about McLaren. Your two. So what's your number well, three? I, I'm, I don't think I'm even done with McLaren because, again, okay. Continue. Look, all this discussion, right? Just what, just what I just said. All the focus is on adding a fourth car and driver entries. And, and I get it. There's the business side of sports. But the conversation around this team has not been about results this year, right? I mean, the conversation has been they had three guys at the Indy 500, who had, you know, cars capable of running up front. And I get it. Rossi wasn't up there leading laps, but he did finish in the top five. Right. But you had Rosenquist crash out. You had Pato Award crash out. And they both had cars that were very capable of winning the race. You know what's uh, amazing is is when you look at Pato Award, the only McLaren driver in the top 10 in points, by yes. the way. Yes. Which is a bear, embarrassing if you're McLaren, is how much can change? Two years ago... We were talking about Pato Award and Colton Herta as the next superstars of IndyCar, right? And I know three-fourths of a season doesn't may, doesn't completely change the narrative, but Pato Award and Colton Herta are almost afterthoughts in terms of looking at the next crop of stars in this series. You're talking about Alex Pillow. Uh, you're talking about Christian Lungard. You're talking about Kyle Kirkwood. You're talking about some of these other guys. Talking about Linus Lundquist, we'll get to him in a little bit. These are the guys that people are looking at as the next crop of stars. And meanwhile, Pato Award and Colton Herta both winless this year and seemingly miles off from winning a race at this point. But at least with Pato Award's case, he's not the only one at the team struggling. And you can you can stretch it out and say all three are in the top twelve. But I don't play that game. You have one driver in the top 10. I mean, Hurd has one pole. Uh, he has one podium. And for Pato Award, I guess he's he's getting, he's he's closer. He's got multiple podiums. Uh, no poles. I mean, one of the two will win a race before the end of the year, right? I mean, I'd be, I'd be very surprised. Uh, but then again, we we both think Scott know. Dixon and Will Power that. will win a race before the end <laughs> of the year. You're running out of races that all four of those guys four can options win. options left. So. And I think that's the, the example, too, that you look at Pato Award and Colton Herta is I think Alex Pillow knows that, too. He looks at two guys that said those two guys, their goal was Formula One, probably still is at some point. They're winless this year, racing for teams that can't win championships in this series. And their opportunity in Formula One is dimming because yes, one or both may get some practice runs, but 
unless Andretti gets into Formula One, Colton Herta has no path there. And Pato Award doesn't have a path right now either. So Alex Polo's got to be looking to it going, I have to stay at a team that's winning races, winning championships in this series to have any hope of getting to Formula One. Because it's it's right now it's burned Pato Award and burned Colton Herta. Colton Herta, his, his peak was, I mean, you go back to last season, right? And then he's denied the super license. It, it feels like he's not been the same driver since. And it's hard to blame him as far as the frustration yeah. because he was so close. And I think that's pl- played an element as far as, you know, just kind of why he struggled this year. And, and part of it's been team struggles. Part of it's just been bad luck. And part of it's been him, you know, himself making mistakes. So yeah, it, it goes f- across the board. It's not limited to just him. Do you feel mentally and um, emotionally Colton Herta has been affected by the super license drama? How could he not be? Yeah. How could anyone not be? Yeah. Like, you, really? I you, mean, same with, like, Pato Award and, and getting the F1 tests and then you got to remember McLaren and Zach Brown basically chose her as a priority over Pato Award. Yes. How can you not be imp- impacted by that either? Because when he was with the team. Yeah, he's with the team. <laughs> Um, and Pato and Herta, like, I don't know if they're friends, but they were Andretti teammates back in lights. I don't know if they're friends or friendly. Um, I don't get the sense that they're buddy, buddy. That's for sure. I don't know, but I just, I find that very interesting. I think for a little while, they, though, at least the last couple of years, they looked at each other as their chief rival of going from IndyCar to Formula One. And then mm-hmm. meanwhile, Alex Polo was in like the carpool lane and just blew by both of them. <laughs> While, while they That's were it. staring each other down, Alex Pelot just flew by both of them. That's a really good way <laughs> to look at it. All right. Uh, is it time for my third? Yes. I don't even know where you're we're up, at. You're up, you're up number three. Okay. Let's talk about race control. Everyone's favorite topic. Um, you have Scott McLaughlin calling race controls restarts a joke. You now have Scott Dixon saying that race control is trying to find their feet. And, I, and, and saying on-track contact is, quote, getting out of hand. Uh, that was his fiery comments to the indie star, Nathan Brown, IndyStar.com. You can check that out. Um, he, he said, if that's how the series wants us to race, then I guess it's all gloves off at this point. That was of course, after long beach and Scott is correct. That is how you have to race. The problem is you can't get any consistency because I brought up the Renus VK, Alexander Rossi contact yeah. that VK was the one penalized i don't know why because it was side to side contact and yeah. he got an avoidable contact penalty uh on lap 55 a drive-through penalty with that so i i just i don't understand and and this is every week it seems there's a call or a non-call that everyone's questioning and and there's no consistency in the fact that what you think is a penalty is not and what you don't think is a penalty is is, is a penalty <laughs> And that's what we saw play out on Sunday. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I get it. There's a, a certain amount of subjectivity to race control, but there's just too much. It, it, there's too much in the way of confusion on what is and what isn't at this point. So I just, I, I have a lot of issues with race control and they just don't seem to be ad- addressed. They're kind of discussed after the race and then they're just kind of forgotten about until the next incident, which, which more than more than likely is the uh, is the next race? But I think I think MarshallPoolRacer.com made a good point. Is if is Scott McLaughlin complaining about the restarts if he had won the race? No, and I don't think that, that that's the thing. I, I'm not and, on and them about with, restarts. Same as with Marcus much. Erickson at the Indy 500. Right, he's I, not complaining yeah. about the red flags. I'm not. Know. I'm not as much here to judge red flags and when you don't and when you do or when the restarts go as opposed to penalties. Penalties is what is and isn't a penalty. And that continues to be a question. It's the everlasting question in IndyCar, similar to the NFL, what is and isn't a catch. The NFL still cannot tell me what is and isn't a catch. They can, but then replay will overturn or the official's call will show that that's not the case. And it's similar to race control with IndyCar. You think you know the rules until penalties are handed down or not handed down, and then everything's out the window. And the restart procedure, though, overall, yeah, you could you could say needs some work. Drivers upset about the Indy 500, and Nathan Brown lays out you know several different races where uh, you have odd calls. Uh, Toronto lap one, uh, 
Harvey, you know, gets the gets the penalty, avoidable contact penalty. Um and 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 Dixon goes into each and every kind of one of these incidents. Mid-Ohio with Erickson and Rosenquist. Um Road America, uh, Renus VK on Felix Rosenquist and no penalty. We didn't understand yeah, that one. And, and Long they, Beach, you know, Dixon and Award, um that was the the highlight, but then uh you also have other incidents, you know, with with Pato Award in that race as far as making contact with other drivers. So, and you can even go back to St. Pete. Um, Will Power and Colton Herta. And then in Herta into the tires and Power got a penalty, but it's just all season long we've had some weird incidents where it's either felt like the penalty's too harsh or where's the penalty? No consistency whatsoever. Or at least there's consistently inconsistent at the very least. Yeah, I, I guess they can hang their hat on that. But don't worry. Unpredictable. We have, we have engine penalties we'll, we'll get to for this oh, weekend. Oh, yeah. We got Ugh. some engine penalties. Um, nonsense. You're third. Well, let's talk Linus Lundquist because he had a great weekend before he put it into the wall and ended it and finished in 26, or 25th, excuse me, but started 11th, made the fast 12. They pretty much did everything they possibly could to make that fast 12, used up the majority of their alternates. They weren't going to advance into the fast six, but... For a guy that it took forever for him to get an opportunity in an IndyCar race, much longer than it should have, he did enough to open some eyes of some teams last weekend. And I couldn't be more excited for him because he deserved the opportunity, finally got it, made the most of it. And fastest lap of the race. Also, he had the the air scoop issue where it just fell off. off. You can't tell me that wasn't a factor in him crashing late in the race. I wouldn't it be certainly wouldn't be doesn't shocking. does does not help the yeah. situation at all. So Lundquist, though, a good debut weekend, and thankfully for him, we get to see him back on track this weekend uh, with Meyer Shank Racing in the number sixty car. So on the IMS Road Course. So best of luck to him, and also continue to send our best wishes to Simon Pagano as he continues his recovery. And we'll have an announcement, I'm sure, by the time people listen to this, they'll have an announcement on on from Meyer Shank on what at least part of that lineup looked like next season. In fact, this just in, um, the, well, not, not that exciting, but Aww. the, that the fastest sense. car on track. In I practice one? Yeah. I want you to. Is it Linus Lundquist? No. No. Don't think too hard. Alex Pillow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this so is where we're at. Championship's so. over. Just move on. Move along. Move along. But yeah. uh, no, that was my number three. A guy that finally got an opportunity and made the most of it. So taking a look at some other takeaways from Nashville, David Malukas, who crashed out uh, late in this one, Dale Coyne racing, uh, saying with the car, as far as what happened, like an in- internal fire, internal fire. So he lost the rear wing, but it was an internal fire and some, some wiring. He went out early. It was lap 11. Yeah. And he had, he had a good start. Um, fire created so much heat. It delaminated the rear wing pillar we never so did see the rear it collapse but there was something that failed there and it was a fire uh roman grosjean shaved off the mustache after the weekend yeah he, people said maybe he's going to keep it on like uh christian lungard did till mm-hmm. he won but i i imagine that'd be a pretty bushy mustache by the time he wins uh yeah if that ever I, happens. I, I don't <laughs> i don't think that was that had staying power no i didn't think so either it looked better than Christian Lungard's did, though. That wasn't hard. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, that was not hard at all. So, um, also, other notes from the race weekend. TV numbers, trending positive. 1.157 million viewers on NBC and Peacock. Total audience delivery. Most watched race since the St. Pete season opener, of course, since the Indy 500, which had 1.223 million for St. Pete. Seventh race in the top to top 1 million viewers this season continues the most watched IndyCar series season since 2016. That's good. Up is up. Let's see if we can get through the final four season or four races with that last point being up from last year, staying intact. So that's where we're at. Uh, anything else you want to add on Nashville? Well, I think we'll get to it with rate the race. We can bring it up right now. Other people like this race a hell of a lot more than we did. Yeah, and I, I, you and I don't ha- didn't have any problems with Crashville. No, I mean that's on the drivers, right? And and the drivers 
have to find a way to, to keep it clean. And they did, which, okay, right congrats. Now they're going to have to adapt to a new circuit next year, so all bets are off. I just felt like people that looked at this race and said, finally, a good Nashville race, you and I, and I know we're in the minority. I'm not saying you people listening are wrong. I'm just saying in in our minds... We kind of enjoyed Crashville a little bit. Mixed things up, made things unpredictable. This just became a mediocre race, in my opinion, without it. And to those that enjoyed it, great. To me, I was just like, I was just waiting for something to shake things up, a caution, a something, and it just never materialized. It's, it's almost like I equate it to you're going to a restaurant and they make really good pizza, okay? And... Like Nashville, you don't want pizza every day, but when you go out to get pizza and you're going to a place that's known for their pizza, that's what you want. That's kind of what what Nashville is. You know what you're getting. You don't want every race to be a crash fest or multiple cautions or whatever, but occasionally you like it. And when you go to Nashville or you watch it, that's what you want to see. But I went to the pizza place. They didn't have pizza that day. The oven was broken. I had to settle for really solid, decent wings. I like wings. But man, I, my heart set was on that pizza. Similar to Nashville. I was really looking forward to chaos. And we, we, we got it. the chaos at Toronto, we which did. we usually do, but not at Nashville this year. But I know, again, we're in the minority, but all the high grades of people gushing about Nashville. And I think part of that too, Caleb, is it just, and I don't know if you watched the pre-race and I just didn't feel like a big event. No, it did it's, not. It's... The, the pre-race was eh, okay. Like there was no marquee people outside of, um, of, uh, what's his, what's his name? Why am I? Um, blank? Oh, uh, wrestler, uh, Ric Flair. Yeah. Ric Flair. Um, there, which Ric Flair is about 25 years past his prime. But, um, my whole thing was just, it just didn't feel, there was no, there was no flyover. It just didn't feel like a big event. And and I felt like that set the tone for an event that, in my opinion, didn't deliver. Now I didn't have boots on the ground, but at least the broadcast didn't didn't portray it as a big event. It, it didn't feel as big, and the crowd, I guess they said, was up. It, it's always hard to know with these things, right? Right. I, I mean, I mean, as long as it's a successful event, I'm cool with it. It just NBC didn't do a good job translating this into a big event. And it should be. It is. It's a big event on the IndyCar schedule. It just didn't feel that way. And also, I think this event will be helped immensely by the fact that it's going to be a month plus later on the calendar next year, a.k.a. a lot cooler temperature-wise, where you're talking temperatures you know, in the, the low to mid-80s as opposed to the low to mid-90s. I think that is a huge factor, and I think that will help. There'll also just be more buzz with it being on Broadway. Like it's, it's one thing for it to be, you know, across the, the bridge and, you know, kind of nearby off in the distance. This will be right in the heart of everyone. You, you can't avoid it yeah. with its location. And I think that will, it's going to be a huge boost to the event basically is the way I look at it. Looking forward to it, but it just felt like Nashville was just there yes. over the weekend and I didn't like it. Time to preview this weekend, the Gallagher Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. Uh, our three key stats from Chad 200 on Twitter, Scott Dixon's last seven starting positions here, 12th, 15th, 16th, 26th, 21st, 20th, and 9th, six total laps led. Now this, I assume is across all the IMS road course races, you know, uh, spring and late summer. Graham Rayall has improved 83 positions over the last 13 races here and has the most top tens, which is 12 among all drivers. Will power five wins, six poles, 348 laps led. No other driver has even led 100. He and Dixon are the only two drivers in history to complete all 1,156 laps. That's interesting because, well, both of them are looking for a race win this season still. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, do, do you feel like this is the... I feel like this is the weekend one, uh, somebody gets a win that hasn't won yet this year. I think this is a weekend where we have a repeat winner. Oh, okay. Well, then. I'll uh, I'll make my pick later. You're going to go with Alex Pillow? No. Okay. Okay, but uh, I'm not going with Alex Blow. Still plenty of time left in practice, uh, but Alex Blow atop the leaderboard currently. Tom Blomquist on the pit stand for Myers Shank Racing. Huh, wonder why. Interesting. Maybe he's there for an announcement yeah, later perhaps. today, potentially? Perhaps. Perhaps hmm. he is. Uh, taking a look at the schedule this weekend, so of course they're practicing as we record. 
Uh, but qualifying uh, today, Friday, 1230 to 2 Eastern in the afternoon on all the usual outlets, Peacock, IndyCar Live, Sirius XM, IndyCar Radio. As far as Saturday, um, there is no practice session Saturday. There's a final practice Friday evening from just 4 to 430 uh, in the afternoon. But Saturday, race day, 2 to 5 on USA and Peacock, IndyCar Live, Sirius XM, IndyCar Radio. 85 laps, just over 200 miles. Uh, green flag, approximately 230 from what I've seen on outlets out there. You know, it's shocking how hard it is to find green flag times. Oh, right. It's always broadcast times. Yeah. I don't care about that. Yeah, Just tell, uh, me, when tell me when flag the green is. flag is when, waving. When is the green flag expected to fly? That's what yes, I care about. It is absolutely brutal to find. Of course, they don't want people. They want people to tune in right at the broadcast starts. But yeah, tell me when the green flag flies. And other notes for this weekend. Uh, engine penalties. We have six position starting grid penalties for the 06 Meyer Shank racing car. That's Elio Castroneves, the number 18 Dale Coin racing with HMD car. Of course, David Malukas. The number 30 Ray Hall Lederman Lanigan racing car of Jack Harvey for unapproved engine changes after Nashville. So keep that in mind this weekend for qualifying. Uh, also, NBC Sports tweeted this out as far as IMS being really big. This is your favorite thing. <laughs> this so is the, my favorite. The old, but it's the, the old and the new. So the old was, of course, Churchill Downs and the Rose Bowl and the Coliseum and the White House and Yankee Stadium. They added Liberty Island, which is Statue of Liberty. I don't remember that one. Taj Mahal and Vatican City. Vatican City is always a standard. All fit inside IMS. But now every current Big Ten football stadium also fits inside IMS. Oh, because of course they want to hype up the Big Ten because yeah. the Big Ten is going to be on NBC. And, and right? apparently there was like Big Ten Day yesterday on, on Thursday, August 10th. It's a new thing. Eh, whatever. I don't, don't you, really you care You won't be able much. to fit the 18... Football stadiums of the new look Big no. Ten next year, but at least for this year they could do it. I, I always, I, I was actually trying to find the the uh, one we made where it put the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Jupiter and how big it was on Jupiter because I always kind of scoff at the the comparisons because you always have to have them every year, uh, just like you know football field a second, right? Yeah, football field, yeah, and upside down. Upside right? down. Yeah, like running. It's the, the downforce. The cars could run oh, upside yeah, down yeah, because yeah, of all yeah, the yeah. downforce. Yeah, that's, yeah, but that's it's, the other one. It, it's always uh, how big is the Indianapolis? But that's that's the through the field of IMS coverage for any race at the Speedway is we've run out of ideas. We've run out of things to talk about. Let's just talk about how big IMS is. Let's do it through the field, which I don't think we had in Nashville because I usually send you what lap through yeah, the field I, is on. We I didn't, didn't recall. One. They kind of did it at one point, but then I think there was a caution. Uh, Some other news for this weekend in Indy Lights. Kiko Porto, Brazilian, will be with Cape Motorsports in the number 47 car. Uh, He's second in USF Pro 2000 standings. He'll also race with Cape at Gateway on the Oval as well. So a promotion there. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I think that covers it as far as this weekend. So uh, time to, to keep moving along. We have... Of course, if you, if you agree or disagree with us, and I'm sure you'll disagree on our Rate the Race ratings, but uh, let us know. You can interact with us on social media. IndyCar Podcast is the handle on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Just search for New Track Record. You can find us online at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for the email list. It's free to subscribe. You'll never miss an episode or any special announcements that we have. Plus, we have t-shirts and stickers for sale in the store. Patreon.com slash new track record. You can support us. Thanks to Xavier, Rob, and others for their support. Just starts at $1 a month. If you want to be a supporter, that's 12 bucks total a year. We appreciate uh, your support on there. And as always, you can email us new track record podcast at gmail.com and listen to us. Download us for free on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, overcast, Castbox wherever you listen to podcasts, all for free. Mailbag time, and we have stuff from last week that we'll start off with as far as people's takes on the new Nashville circuit for 2024. Uh, Daniel SEM2004 just says, meh. Racer Boy 1969 on Twitter says, man, it looks fast, but the start finish separated from the paddock, which is separated from the pits, looks like a real pain for crews and photo. It's a good point. 
Uh, Poet Shevchenko, a couple comments on last week's podcast. Kind of as a win that IndyCar can go through a fairly large change to the engine package and still maintain a record full-time grid. I look forward to the CW getting IndyCar and rebranding as the Car Racing Network with a, a W before. I mean, hey, you We've never know. thrown it out there. 100 Days to Indy, Live, uh-huh. ACC Basketball and Football, and now Xfinity, and the deal comes up for with NBC, what, after next year? After next season. I'm just saying, if, and I know people want to stay with NBC, majority of people, but if, if CW throws Xfinity money at IndyCar, yeah. Because what are they getting? There's no exact number. Million total, I right. believe. And I think the estimate for IndyCar is probably thirty to forty million at most from not publicly known, but correct. that's the guess. Yes, from NBC. Like if that's doubled or tripled even by by CW, imagine what that could do for Leader Circle, all that stuff. It, I, it, to me, it's a no brainer. It's a huge boost. Now you hope because of having some lead time with, um, you know, ACC football and basketball. And them just growing and already having 100 Days to Indy on CW. The fact that that's a boost and you start getting more sports fans. But yeah, it's it's a legitimate could you thing see, to consider. Could you see NBC protecting at least the Indianapolis 500 and wanting to keep that and everything else going to CW? Perhaps, but why would the CW agree to that? I agree. I'm just saying. I don't know if the if NBC wants to give up the, the Indianapolis 500, but... Seriously, if, if CW comes even next year, even with, well, we'll pay $100, $100 million. Or they do half and half, half NBC, yeah, half maybe. CW, like NASCAR does with, with Fox that could be, and NBC. Some people, you initially scoff, some people, from thinking that, but if CW is throwing stupid money at Xfinity and IndyCar gets comparable ratings mm-hmm. to Xfinity, why wouldn't they want to throw $100 million plus at IndyCar? It's a legitimate point. Uh, Big D cart saying about the new Nashville circuit looks like the little dipper. Yeah. Uh, very similar to the old circuit. Yeah. It's a similar clear. circuit to, to this year. It just, it's kind of inverted mm-hmm. as opposed you to flip it around. Yeah. So all the people saying, oh, it look, doesn't look like a race. Well, blah, blah, blah. it's, it's pretty similar to what we've had. Jay Blasteri. Great changes. Can't wait until next year. Looking forward to staying locations. Turn three seats could be great for us. Old folks. The La Quinta and quality Inn are walking distance to the paddock. And pit area. I was I was getting a kick out of Nashville weekend because you're going by the La Quinta and yeah. the quality in a, a gas station. Yeah, what is that like a, a Chevron? I think. Yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> it's just kind of hits different. It's like oh, it's so America and it's so IndyCar. Oh, you're going over a bridge. Oh, and there's the Titans NFL Stadium <laughs> and there's a La Quinta, there's a quality in and, and a Chevron. It's like you know, could you picture? Uh, Formula One, they're going <laughs> to, uh, they're racing through the streets of Jakarta or whatever. Or oh, Singapore. there's a Gulf gas station. Yeah, like, no, oh, no. There's, uh, it's just, it, it hits different. It's just kind of funny. I always chuckle every time I see the sign for the La Quinta. Uh, other uh, tweets to get to, uh, this from Jeff Zerneski. So we would determine that it may be the car engineering at ECR and not Connor Daly. RHR was 27 and 0.7 seconds slower then 26th. Um, this that doesn't explain Connor Daly's entire career. Well, and for Ryan Hunter, he finished 16th. This was just your, this is a comment on qualifying. It's not qualifying, right? It's the ability to drive through the field and RHR's shown that ability for the most part in his time with ECR Connor Daly. You're getting 15th, 16th place. Uh, someone else saying, interesting, you bring up uh, engineering at ECR, that from Push the Pass cast. Yeah, I mean, there, there are several issues with the team, right? Um, a lot of issues. We'll say that. I know there's a certain contingent of people that love Connor Daly. I like Connor Daly. As a, I just don't think he's a very good race car driver. We're IndyCar. 107 starts, one, one podium. podium. Okay. I know people will disagree, especially people from Indianapolis. He's a likable personality. I get it. But at at some point, it is a results-oriented business. At some point, you stop getting opportunities because you're not posting results. And he's gotten more than enough to prove something, folks. I I mean, the the same people who are rooting for Connor Daly are probably the same people saying, well, Jack Harvey shouldn't have a ride. I'm just saying. Yeah. And... And you and could argue Jack Harvey's statistics. had more results in his career. I mean, it's it's very comparable. Yes. Um, I think they're both race car drivers who can have success. Maybe it's just not IndyCar. I mean, I think for Connor Daly, I've talked with this at length with IndyCar Deep Throw and with you, Connor Daly would be best served to run NASCAR Truck Series 
or Xfinity series. And I think he could have a very successful career, yes. win races. Mm-hmm. Um, Just commit to it. Yes. You, uh, IndyCar is the dream. You could still run the Indy 500 and look at look at what Sage Karam's doing. He, yeah. he committed yeah. to Xfinity. His IndyCar opportunities had dried up and he's starting to have success. Yes. Just saying. I know when your heart's in IndyCar and your mm-hmm. family's in IndyCar, and I get it. And there's you have a fan base in IndyCar. And I think that's the biggest challenge, right? Yeah. It's I don't I mean, obviously, I'd feel the same way. I'd want to be in IndyCar. Like I But get you it. also need to go where you're successful. Yeah. And I think these certain people, including media members, some media members need to take off the checkered flag colored glasses and just judge Connor Daly for what he's done not who he is and it's a results driven sport and he hasn't had the results he is a midfield driver at best he's had some success at indy the last couple of years but overall he's a midfield driver when it comes to full-time status at best all right rate the race music city gp we're gonna make all of you mad <laughs> justin your rate the race rating. i have a i've already said why my rating is a six and a half and i'm going a six um Whew. this was Quite simply, an uninteresting race to no, me. I it get wasn't. it. I get to everyone saying, "Oh, it was clean." I understand. Um, I enjoyed Nashville the last two years, as far as it just being this unique one-off event that the drivers, you know, were challenged by. And now in year three, it's just it was a ho hum, fuel save, a tire wear race. You can get that at Laguna Seca. We're going to get that this weekend at the IMS Road Course. Oh, it's going to be I don't a expect, bigger snore. I don't, I don't expect that at Nashville. I guess that's why it's the expectation going in. Because, again, I rate each race, not compared to other races, but what I expect out of that race. Right. Because you got to look at each race individually. And there just wasn't a lot of intrigue for me. No. I, I mean, it, it's cool to see Kyle Kirkwood get his second win and see a, another young driver who you think could be a star in the series. And to see Andretti, you know, the, the Andretti guy no one ever talks about yep. as far as, you know, the competitive cars um come away with a win and and while the broadcast focuses on you know herda early and then pato and then as they drop off then grosjean and mclaughlin and polo and new guard championship race championship (laughs) race and here's kyle kirkwood just slowly picking off through the field uh, and got no love until like the final like 15 laps impressive drive by kyle kirkwood but not an exciting race in my opinion but a lot of you disagree with us. A lot of people us. loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I am analog. Give it a nine. Thankfully, I was able to listen to the radio broadcast after only making it halfway through the Peacock broadcast. Glad I'm only paying a dollar for that garbage. The race was entertaining. Fascinating to see three to four different strategies going at once. Uh, yeah. I also only pay a dollar for, for Peacock. Is, uh, it, is it the, the what people mad about the commercials? Yeah. I mean, just watch on NBC. Get an antenna. It's like 15, 20 bucks. Here's here's full disclosure for me is this is part of the reason why I like to watch races not live is the commercials don't bother me because I can fast forward them. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, it's a good point. And in races that are leaving a lot of entertainment to be desired, like Nashville in my opinion, and I know we're limited in that, it was refreshing to have some commercial breaks. That said, NBC missing a restart on a commercial break, terrible. Now, was that the same case as on Peacock? I'm not sure. Is that yeah, a benefit I, from having yeah, Peacock? I, I, Maybe they missed the restart. I'm not sure, but it was typical NBC. Hadn't had that in a while. Credit to them, but yeah, coming out of the commercial break, and we already well in to back to green. Uh, Jeremy from HBG gave it a seven. Would be higher. I feel the production team missed a lot of stuff in those last laps. Phil underscore Barksdale gave it an eight. Relatively clean race by Nashville standards. Ivy also handed out free Gatorade all day. Ooh, it was a huge plus. So nice. that's good to know. I noticed they had a lot of signage around the course. Uh, Big D cart square root of 68. So I don't even know what that is. Eight point something. A uh, good mix of strategic green race with some drama at the end. Bauer racing. I'm watching the replay, but Peacock cut off the first 21 laps. That's a problem. Uh, Dudes FX gave it an eight and a half. Transocean Trojan gave it an eight. Love the race as an Andretti fan. Thought McLaughlin was going to chase Kyle down and pass him. It's pretty interesting with all the different strategies. Always happy when Ganassi or Penske get it wrong. <laughs> the square root of 68, by the way, is 8.24621125.12. All right, good to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Momo Hater gave it a 7.9. Would have been a 9 if there wasn't a red flag. Overall, very good race with strategies playing out lap by lap. H. Sabedra gave it a 10 out of 10. 
Lack of constant yellows kept me on the edge of my seat to see the strategies play out. In the end with Kirkwood winning was the capstone. Hunter's Way 67 gave it a 7.5. Kirkwood top dog at Andretti now. Uh, talk to me at the end of the season, but I'm trending toward yes. Yes, uh, he's definitely Jeff making his Zerneski, way. Jeff 7.5. Strategy kept it somewhat interesting. Glad it was not a Smashville race. Uh, Smashville is the hockey team. Uh, NK Harden gave it an 8.5. Alex Blow, luckiest driver in any car. He should have finished 15th or worse. Gotta be lucky to be good. Tudor Indy gave it an 8. Daniel SEM 2004 gave it a 7. Not many passes shown. Some cringeworthy things on the NBC broadcast. Glad it wasn't a bleep show race. Peacock and NBC's commercials every five minutes is a joke. Mr. Restart, never a replay of Malukas. I, I did see a replay of Malukas. I did, well, I think they're saying they didn't have a camera to oh. see the failure of the wing, but they don't have the cameras for yeah, that. Just, for every uh, car. Uh, no. Jay Blaster gave an eight and a half best Nashville race to date. Late yellows were unfortunate. Next year, Nashville will be huge. Best season finale ever. I, I mean, IndyCar has had huge. success with street circuit season finales in recent years. I mean, you go back to what? Was it 2020 with St. Pete and 2021 with Long Beach? Yeah. Right? Yep. So it's something to keep in mind. I, I think that is an aspect that is going to be fascinating to me. Uh, and as far as TV numbers... Shevchenko saying in the season at Nashville, get some hype going. I don't think 1.5 million plus is out of the question. Um, unfortunately, you have NFL underway. Yeah, good so luck that's, getting that's the one and a half million. You'll be you'll be lucky to get a million for your season finale. Uh, some questions on the IndyCar game uh, from Daguerre. What is your take on this? Will there ever be a game? Not for motorsport games. However, um, it it does seem like. There is some positive momentum. This is from Hey Alan Bailey, who I guess is a, a, a YouTuber. This is big for the gaming and motorsports communities. Can't wait to share this with you. September 30th, hashtag MSG, hashtag NASCAR, hashtag IndyCar. Now, mm. how many times have we heard this though over the last year plus? Well, and then it kind of falls Because off. motorsports games has produced NASCAR games. Yeah. And we're working and developing on an IndyCar game. So could that be the tie-in for the motorsports games, considering they were both hashtagged? Hopefully, maybe, potentially. Hopefully. Are they being sold? Motorsports games, assets being sold, hopefully. This also from Daguerre, 1.1 million watched the race in Nashville on NBC. The same week, 1.6 million watched Sweden beat USA in the Ladies World Cup in soccer. In that game, you got to remember, yes, it went to penalty kicks, but it started at 5 a.m. Eastern. Yes. Sweden has a population of 10 million. It gives you some perspective on the size of IndyCar as a sport. Well, but the U.S. has a population of 330 yeah. million. Well, uh, yeah, true. So I don't know if that's a, a knock on IndyCar or not. I'm not sure. We know our place. It's a yeah. niche sport. It is. We're that's fine, fine with it. Yeah, we're fine with it. You just want to see the numbers increase and, you know, a million and a half instead of, you know, over a million. Right. That eventually yeah. be the goal. Up is up. Growth is growth. FitJ1983, inverse drive to survive effect. Uh, this in regards to the Music City GP. I uh, got millions exposed to racing, which opened up their eyes to other motorsports. These people realize that IndyCar, NASCAR, et cetera, offer a better product and are tuning in. You know, I'd want to agree with you, but NASCAR ratings are not NASCAR. Uh, F1 ratings seem to still be quite positive despite the lack of competition. I do think that it, it, the point being is more people were tuning in to Formula One and some of the casual fans don't necessarily know the difference. I would say a certain amount of people you show them an F1 car and then a week later you show them an Indy car and they probably think they're the same thing and the racing is the same thing. So if you can cap, if, if it's a greater audience for formula one, maybe some of those people will tune in Indy car thinking it's formula one. Who cares? They're watching. And, and that's ultimately what matters is you just want to get some crossover. Yep. We'll take it. Another note, uh, because underscore race, uh, IndyCar and NBC, Peacock ruining a race with commercials and missing a restart. That's to be expected. I, I mean, look, this is the U.S. Like, you have commercials. Like, uh, I can't say enough. Like, you know, it, what, it, you know what that means? That means people are investing in advertising during your event. That's a good thing. I'm not going to argue or I really don't have time for people that complain about commercials. Really don't. Yeah, I, I don't either. Time for news and notes and some updates for you as IndyCar currently on track and again we'll uh we'll, we'll see what happens in practice but nothing really major no, red note flag that came I've out seen. for pato but i mean nothing nothing is going to impact qualifying or the race tomorrow at this point 
Uh, meanwhile, other areas to get to. So we, we talked some silly season stuff. Nathan Brown had a silly season article before Nashville weekend. And essentially at Andretti, what comes down to it is that if Marcus Erickson goes to the team, Roman Grosjean's gone. If not, Roman Grosjean will likely stay and his result in Nashville will certainly help. And also the fact that DHL uh, expected to leave the team at the end of the season. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. And David Malukas is, is seemingly been tapped for that number 29 entry, but it doesn't appear that HMD will be on board. Hmm. Yes. Seems Which like they'll be staying behind. Also creating their own entity. Very interesting to me as well. But uh, DHL looking to move on, whether they remain in the series or as a team partner, unclear uh, from Nathan Brown. But that's his update on silly season stuff there. And of course, we're still awaiting that Meyer Shank racing announcement, which we expect Tom Blonquist to be part of it, without a doubt, uh, coming up uh, at IMS. Uh, as far as other notes, the schedule, the 2024 schedule, getting some more clarity on some race dates just based on uh, IMSA's 2024 schedule. Uh, St. Pete, March 8th through 10th. Long Beach, April 19th through 21st. That's expected. Uh, IMSA back at Detroit, so that'll be May 31st to June 2nd. It follows the Indy 500 on May 26th. Uh, also, it's it's likely the, the Indy GP will be May 10th and 11th. Indy 500 qualifying May 18th and 19th. As far as other changes, we know Nashville is September 13th through 15th in Laguna Seca. So we've we've heard both reported. Um, it will remain on the schedule, but at a different point on the calendar. Now, that's what Marshall's saying. We'd heard Nathan Brown say, no, it could still stay because of weather and the fact that it's a lot cooler then. Um, yep. They were looking at that, but a more recent update. In fact, this is Marshall saying in March, rainfall prevalent along the California coast no longer under consideration for the event. So it could push it to an early summer date. So you still haven't filled that gap. No. Still looking at a sizable gap for next Which year. is... Unfortunate. Yeah. Unfortunate for sure. Uh, some other notes to get to uh, kind of in, in relation to IndyCar. Shane Van Gisbergen says Scott McLaughlin should be a NASCAR wild card. I think Shane Van Gisbergen should be an IndyCar wild card. Mm. Um, and... At IMS, the the Battle on the Bricks, which is going to be this fall, is now going to be a six-hour IMSA sports car endurance race in 2024. That's September 20th through 22nd, 2024. IMSA at IMS um, coming up later this fall. So, again, that's a, that's a look at what they're doing in the future. So, IMSA this year is September 15th, 16th, 17th. Be a fun fall event down at the Speedway, and I think that's about it. Unless anything new is is coming, nothing that I've seen been out. So I've I've not seen anything else. So it's time for our random split air driver of the week. We're going with 2005 car champ car. It is the fertile ground that is the mid 2000s and champ car with Ronnie Bremer. Who Ronnie Bremer raced for? Race for? I'll give you one guess of who he raced for. Dale Coin Racing. Dale Coin Racing. (laughs) HVM Racing too, as well. Uh, His initial. His initial uh, season in 2005 actually was pretty decent in 2005. Five races, three in the top 10, three in the top eight as well. And he had raced in three consecutive Formula A karting championships, won those, then went to Atlantic, snatched one win, finished fifth in the championship. Formula A? Formula A. Never heard of that one. Which is now Formula 5000. Okay. By the way. I've heard of that one. Yes. Um, so the HVM team signed him as a relative unknown 2005. He was impressive in his first five starts, dropped by HVM for financial reasons. But then HVM had announced that they had signed him for 2006, which actually didn't happen. He joined Dale Coyne Racing to finish the 2005 season and then came back for the 2006 season. And he returned to Atlantics for the 2006 and he tested for Roosport. To replace through the injured Cristiano DiMata for the final two races of 2006, but the drive went to Ryan Briscoe. So his second half of 2005 with Coin was uh, pretty solid with four more top tens, but he was one and done. 2005, first half of his career in that season with HVM, second half 
with Coin. The only race he missed was Toronto in his 12th overall in the standings. And that was it. He was done, returned to Polestar, raced uh, some Atlantics, did some touring cars, did some uh, Rolex sports cars in the early 2010s. And that was it. He holds the record for the most wins by a Danish race car driver. Did Marcus Erickson break that? You mean, wait, Danish? You mean Christian Lungard? Yes, Christian Lungard, excuse me. Uh, yeah, you know what? We never picked race winners for this weekend. No, we didn't. Who do we got? Uh, so who do you want to pick? I will go Will Power. That reminded me because it reminded me of my pick. I'm going with Christian Lungard. How about that? To get another dub. Yeah. So Let's see. Uh, I think he has an opportunity, right, from Denmark. I think he has a legit opportunity. Remember, he won the poll back in May. He finished fourth. I think getting that first win under his belt, I, I think he has as good of a chance as long as weather's not an impact here. Right. I think he has as good of a chance as anyone uh, to get win number two on the season on Saturday afternoon. We will find out in a day. Can't wait. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up this week. We'll be back next week to recap the Gallagher Grand Prix and the latest in the IndyCar silly season. For Justin Kinney, I am Caleb Hatch. This has been New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.